Welcome to Evil Done Badly, the most incomprehensible podcast on the internet. What we do here is tell crime stories. They usually wind up with at least one or two dead people. And for the most part, we try to keep the information presented on the factual side. But we're incompetent, so we're probably not incredibly accurate. Either way, the general idea should be the same. So, what's in store this week? Well, we're back with an unbelievably, uh, incomprehensible case that takes place over the internet. This is a wacky catfishing case that ends up a disaster for everyone involved. I can't wait to dig into the madness, so grab yourself a beverage, hold on to your arse, and let's hear the theme song. This episode of Evil Done Badly is brought to you by the comedy stylings of Ronnie from down the hall. Take a listen to some of these classic jokes from the man himself. <laughs> I got fired from my job at the news factory. I couldn't get the hang of it. <laughs> I bought my dad a cheap wig for Father's Day. It was a small price to pay. <laughs> and that'll about do it. Sorry there, Ronnie. I gotta cut you off. Uh, you're not a good fit for this podcast. Your jokes are uh, a little bit too funny. They're... Uh, They're much better than the humor our audience is used to. And uh, I don't want to throw off my whole vibe of ineptitude here. So uh, you're going to have to go be on a better podcast or something. And if you're looking for a place to not be catfished, why not sign up to the Wide World of Paranormal Investigations group on Facebook? They've got almost 13,000 members who are not trying to take advantage of you. It's a happy, safe place, and you're sure to feel welcome. So get in there. Now back to the show. In 2006, Thomas Montgomery was a fat, mustachioed, 46-year-old man living in a small town in upstate New York. He was happily married and devoted to his daughters and enjoyed taking them to swim practice. He worked in a factory, he walked his dog, and he enjoyed playing poker in real life. He was a pretty normal middle-aged family man. He also enjoyed playing poker not in real life. He liked playing virtual poker on a website called Pogo.com. It's like a social network based around playing card games and Scrabble and showing you commercials because you're too cheap to pay for a membership to make the ads go away. I assume Montgomery had the high-end paid membership because he spent way too much time on there to be wasting his time watching Trivago commercials. So, by all accounts, his life is pretty rudimentary, and like most hopeless, pudgy, married men, He's looking for something to rekindle his lust for life. Most people just get a leather jacket, 
and a three-wheel motorcycle and cruise up the highway letting the wind blow through what's left of their hair. Instead of just settling in and resigning himself to the fact that he's no longer the vivacious sex machine he used to be, he takes desperate measures. Desperate, cheap measures. And where's the best place to take desperate, cheap measures? Obviously, well, that's on the internet. You can do whatever you want on there, cheaply, without the fear of repercussions. So his first step was to change his Pogo.com username to something more exciting sounding. Thomas here becomes Marine Sniper 1000 and gets prepared to embark on a new enticing chapter in his otherwise drab life. He's tired of being listless old poker-addicted Thomas Montgomery, and on the World Wide Web, you can be whoever you want. So he decides he doesn't want to be Thomas anymore. He wants to be, well, Tommy. Real creative there, Thomas. Way to, you know, hide yourself. Uh, you could be fucking anybody, jackass. Fuck's sakes. I would have been Pablo Rodriguez, Jimmy Chang III, but that's just me. Anyways... Instead of being middle-aged, useless factory worker Thomas, he's now going to be an 18-year-old Marine with bullet scars. And, well, yeah, you're going to go all out. You might as well add on. You're going to give yourself a 9-inch wang. On top of that, he's ripped, he's a black belt in karate, and he's got some stock photos from Google that proves he's all of these things. And uh, he picks a, a good-looking military dude, and he passes these pictures off as himself. He even develops a backstory for this character, where his mom died of cancer when he was 12, and that he sexually assaulted a cheerleader when he was 17. Why would you pretend to do that? Huh? This guy is totally missing the point of making shit up. Making yourself look like a complete asshole is a bad look. If you're not a real asshole, why would you want to be a pretend asshole? Okay, whatever. I'm not, I give up trying to understand this guy. He claimed after this unfortunate event, he claimed he spiraled into a deep depression after the assault and wound up in the Marines to try and move on with his life. Who the fuck is impressed by this horse shit? My god, man. This this is bonkers. Why? Holy crap. Why would you make this up? At least lie about something that makes you look good. Well, at Pogo.com, he did manage to find someone who was impressed with his wretched, pathetic story. He meets a 17-year-old girl who has humbly named herself Tall Hot Blonde. And that's tall with one L. That would be a turnoff for me right off the bat, but, you know. <laughs> Some guys don't really care about people's grammar. And Tall Hot Blonde was from West Virginia, and her real name was Jessica. The two of them hit it off and are soon 
sharing steamy messages back and forth. And Thomas spends a good portion of his time typing with one hand while playing with his imaginary nine-inch dick. So Tommy here is enjoying himself. He has a good thing going. And he wants it to continue. He doubles down on the marine shtick and tells Jessica he will be going to Iraq to be a sniper. And the internet over there is terrible, so communicating is going to be hard from here on in. He won't be able to communicate effectively while he's there. But never fear. Tommy's dad is here to funnel messages between these two horny young attractive people. Now Tommy's dad is also made up. So Thomas invents Tommy Sr. Who just happens to look a lot like the real Thomas Montgomery. So he invented a fake Tom to pretend to be and he invented another fake Tom to pretend to be who is just like the real Tom. He's pretending to be two Toms while being a real Tom who's not one of the original bogus Toms. How's he going to keep all these Toms straight? I've got enough trouble pretending to fit in a normal society by being one person, that's, that's being myself, without making up sexy clones of myself to keep track of. Whatever. His naming conventions are also pretty dumb. But that hurts my head, so I don't want to think about it anymore. Moving on. These two people spend a bunch of time talking on the phone before Tommy leaves for Iraq. And somehow, she never picks up on the fact that Thomas isn't the young 18-year-old man he's claiming to be. He said... Get this now. He also said he was going to commit suicide in Iraq. But, uh, that works perfectly because it suckers her in and she made him stay alive. Ooh, for her. She will give you the strength to keep going on there, Tommy. So touching, isn't it? Ugh. So he claimed to have her name tattooed on his arm. And she sent him sexy picture montages set to music. One of which includes the hit song I Don't Wanna Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. I don't care how tall and hot she is, that crappy song will be a deal breaker for me. It could only get worse if it was set to Beth. God, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I realize no one in this story is named Beth. But I just wanted to bring up how Beth is quite possibly the worst song in the history of the world. In fact, it's the evil done badly of songs. Where was I? What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So despite the Aerosmith, Tommy here still keeps talking with her, and the relationship blossoms into something beautiful. Oh. Tommy is so enamored with Jessica that he does something that's sure to get her all excited and ready to dedicate herself for the rest of her life to this guy. Well, he becomes possessive and a bit suspicious of her, and we all know how uh, that always works out good. So he starts accusing her of sending sexy photo montages 
sent the shitty music to other online admirers. You mean there's there's other Tommies out there? So imaginary young Tommy flies off the handle. And well, Jesse could just ditch his sorry made up ass. Uh, but she doesn't. She just apologizes and sends him a pair of skippy underpants in the mail. And to make things even more ass-backwards, young Tommy forgives her, but Tom Sr. does not. He accuses her of being a lying floozy and calls little Tommy an idiot and that she's going to break his heart. I don't know what the reasoning for any of this crap is, but it sounds like he's just waking things way more complicated for himself. And he's annoying the fuck out of her in the meantime, so whatever. They would continue to exchange messages and talk on the phone a couple times a day for a span of eight fucking months. Tommy would eventually propose... And she would accept and send him more underpants in the mail. I don't know why he needed so many panties. But I guess it comes in handy when you uh, miss your laundry day. This is quite the charade he's got going here on the internet. He spends a lot of time cavorting with his young girl online. And even brags to his co-workers at the factory. That he's, uh, well, he's decided he's going to leave his wife. And he's going to be with this 18-year-old girl in West Virginia. I'm sure that made his... This, uh... Delusional... Old... Crazy asshole real popular in the workplace. And this this goes on for a while. And Thomas's wife, Cindy... And his family, his two young daughters... They've noticed that something is up with their dad. He's obsessed with his computer, and he's not quite the doting father he used to be. And then it all comes unglued. One of the daughters is at the computer some night, and uh, a bunch of messages with some uh, real lewd uh, words in them <laughs> shows up on the screen while the daughter's there, and she brings it to everybody's attention, and everybody's like, what the fuck is going on here? And his wife, Cindy, discovers a stash of lingerie that has been sent to him. And between the lingerie and this elaborate series of messages between Tommy and this young girl in West Virginia, it's falling apart. She gets, well, totally insulted. And kind of baffled by Thomas's elaborate ruse. And she tells him, she declares that his pretending to be two other Toms, because he wants to get in a teenager's pants, is, well, unacceptable, to put it mildly. So Thomas's marriage is falling apart, and he's relegated to the basement. Not only that, his wife, she's not quite done exposing uh, Thomas's lies here. So she goes out of her way and actually makes contact with this Jesse girl 
in Virginia. And she informs her that Tommy, young Tommy, doesn't exist. And the man she's been falling for all these months is a slimy, pathetic, 46-year-old man with a wife and two kids. <laughs> and this is awesome here. For added effect, she puts in a picture of the whole family and explains who they all are and good-naturedly refers to herself as a cunt because that's what Tom Sr. had been referring to her as in their secret messages. That is fucking classic. So, she's chucking Thomas right under the bus. And deservedly so. Fuck him. Now, confronted with this new revelation, Jessie's in West Virginia, and she's going like, what the fuck? This can't be real. And she has a decision to make. And she has a few options. She can A, either move on with her life without Tommy, Okay, makes sense. Or B, she can keep communicating with Thomas and, well, enjoy him the way he is His uh, in his deceptive, unsexy old guy body. And she also has a third option. She can assume that this person claiming to be Thomas's wife is just her competition. She's just some catty bitch who wants Tommy all to herself. And is just telling her all this to uh, get rid of her and throw her off the trail. So, given she's got these three options, but naturally, she goes with the third option, which is the batshit crazy one. After all, imaginary Tommy is way too sexy to give up on right away. So, Jesse looks a little deeper into it and decides to investigate. So, she looks for somebody who might know something. And she seeks out a guy calling himself Beefcake1572 on Pogo. Now, Beefcake here is actually 22-year-old Brian Barrett. Now, he's a part-time co-worker of Montgomery's. And an old poker buddy of his, so he might actually know what's going on. She finds him trustworthy enough to run the whole messed up situation by him. And, oh my god, he confirms her darkest nightmare. Imaginary Tommy does not exist. Imaginary Tommy is actually just stinky old Thomas. There's no 18-year-old Tommy. No marine sniper. And no nine-inch genitalia. Jesse is devastated. There's no Tommy. But who needs Tommy when you've got some beefcake right here? 22-year-old beefcake. So uh, they're already talking, and one thing leads to another. Brian and Jesse soon start exchanging intimate messages and underwear. Montgomery finds this really, really unacceptable. I mean, you, I mean, yeah, Tommy, you've got plenty of room to talk. You are totally within your rights to feel offended here. And uh, Montgomery does not take too kindly to it. And, well, Brian and Jesse, well, they just start taunting him 
on the message boards over on Pogo. And Brian, classy as he is, he starts to gloat at their workplace at the factory. And he starts to gloat that he stole Montgomery's uh, woman on the internet. And soon enough, half the company starts thinking that Montgomery is some sort of creepy pedo. Okay, well, you, you kind of had that coming, sir. And as a side effect of all this, he's also no longer welcome at his daughter's swim lessons. And, well, he becomes suicidal, or at least he says he does. Now, the reasonable thing for Jesse here would be to stop talking to this idiot, but she doesn't. She doesn't cut him off completely. She keeps telling him that she still yearns to be with, well, 18-year-old Tommy. I don't know how that's going to work. And she maintains contact with Montgomery. And for some reason, pledges to stop talking to 22-year-old Brian for the sake of, well, Thomas Montgomery. Uh, so she pledges to stop talking to Brian. And she just goes ahead and continues talking with Brian. So Montgomery here gets even more super pissed at all this. And the work relationship between the two men gets pretty tense at the factory. And, well, they're no longer poker buddies. Jesse just keeps playing the men off each other and bounces back and forth between them while soaking up their adulation while they're uh, trying to outdo each other. Montgomery goes full midlife crisis. And, well, he starts getting in shape. Because, yeah, that's what midlife crisis will do to you. And he starts running again. And he starts working out. Because he still thinks he has a chance with this 17 or 18 year old girl in West Virginia that he's been lying to all these months. Montgomery gets really jealous. More and more jealous all the time, and it comes to a head in September of 2006. He finds out that Jesse and Brian are still talking again, and he loses his fucking mind. He starts messaging her, calling her a whore, and, well, other things, and he makes numerous, numerous references to Jesse's mouth and Brian's, uh, beef. Yeah, so Montgomery's not very nice, and, well, Jesse tries to ignore him. He calls her on the, the actual telephone as Thomas, and for some reason, for some reason, I don't, <laughs> she, she, she picks it up. She picks up and answers and says hello. And, uh, well, he just goes off. He keeps yelling. So she picks it up, says hello. He yells a little bit. And she just goes click and puts the phone back down again. Now, this is all happening. Now, bear in mind, this is all happening while everyone knows Montgomery is a losery little idiot who was pretending to be a stud because he wanted to leave his family 
and hook up with a teenager on the internet. How the fuck could he possibly think anyone could find his sorry ass attractive? And where does he get off yelling like that? Everyone knows, Montgomery, that you're a worthless sack of crap. He's that... He's got so little self-awareness that he still thinks he has a chance with her despite all his madness. But, uh... Well, she's still along for the ride. And she's... She's being a manipulative little bitch who just enjoys toying with them all. And that seems pretty obvious to me from the outside. And, uh, yeah. Montgomery doesn't see that. And all this craziness is going down. And this is not to mention none of these people have actually met each other in real life. Well, that's not true. Montgomery and Brian have met each other in real life. But as far as I know, they don't want to bang each other. Especially now. Whatever, whatever feelings they had for each other before, that's long gone. And as a funny side note, right about here. Brian, at one point, is going on vacation. And, well, you know, he's got some free time. So he offers to come down to West Virginia and meet up with Jesse in person. Kind of, you know, like, think, be, get, get a little bit physical. So Jesse, she's thrilled. She is so in love with him that... She said, okay, you're on vacation. You have all this free time. Why don't you uh, just go on vacation somewhere else by yourself? Huh? So she she tells him not to bother coming by because she's that in love with him. So uh, Brian packs up his suitcase and goes vacationing on some lonely highway somewhere. And while Brian's off doing that, Jesse sparks up the fire in Old Fart Thomas's pants. Thomas, uh, Thomas gets right into the attention that he's been given, and he becomes even more obsessed and more possessive. And all this adds up to, well, Thomas, you're a big dumb cunt. Wise up. No one loves you anymore, if they ever did. So, Thomas is being really stupid but he gets even dumber and this is where it takes a really dark turn on september 13th after about 10 p.m brian barrett beefcake himself gets off his shift at the factory and he walks out into the parking lot he hunkers across the parking lot finds his truck Plunks his arse down in the seat, and he closes the door. And a few seconds later, three bullets burst through the driver's side window and ripped through Brian's arm and neck. Poor Brian was dead. And the obvious prime suspect here is, well, Thomas Montgomery. The feud... Between these two men was no secret, and during the investigation over the next few days, there was no shortage of co-workers 
willing to rat out Thomas and his erratic, unhinged behavior. Now, the police are investigating, and they recover poor dead Brian's phone. And when they're searching through it, they discovered he'd been having an online relationship with this Jesse girl in West Virginia. They figured that since there was a damn good chance that Thomas was unstable enough to kill Brian. I mean, it's all right there. I mean, Thomas is totally going off the deep end. And it's pretty obvious. And uh, the police figure Thomas here might be coming for Jesse next. He might be coming after her with his rifle. So they call Jesse and they confirm, yep, she's been involved with an internet relationship with these two guys. And they inform her she may be in danger because Brian is now dead. She says, okay, how about that? And that she'll be careful. End of story. But the next day, West Virginia police are contacted. And they want to make contact with Jesse in person. So they send an officer out to make sure everything's fine. Now, the cop shows up at the door and is met by a plump, middle-aged woman with short, dumpy hair. She says that, yeah, I know a Jesse. She's my teenage daughter, but she doesn't live here anymore. I haven't heard from her in months. So, that's a little odd, okay. He goes back to the station and he relays this peculiar story to the cop who had only a few hours earlier been talking to Jesse at this very location. Huh? So that's fucking weird. I mean, she's got to be there. What could this plump woman have done with little innocent Jesse? I'm starting to fear for her safety. Oh my god. Ah! So, this, this is just too weird, and they send this cop back to clarify a few things. Like, who the fuck were we talking to on the phone a little while ago that said they were Jesse? And where is she, and what have you done with her, you fucking wacko? Okay, so they grill her a bit. And a few uncomfortable questions later, this plump woman, she's sweating from all her crevices by now, and she starts acting quite strangely. Something's not right here, and it's beginning to sound a little bit fishy. So out with it! What have you done with Jesse, you old bat? Well... It doesn't take that long before her story starts crumbling to sweaty pieces and she blurts out that she, not Jesse, was the one the officer had been talking to on the phone. She was impersonating Jesse. So she was pretending to be Jesse to the officer on the phone. But fucking why? Well, she wanted the police to think that she was Jesse, so that they would just leave her alone. She didn't want anyone coming to her house, and she especially didn't want to be interrogated 
about Jessie's whereabouts. Because if she was interrogated about Jessie's whereabouts, it might become apparent that Jessie is her daughter. Wait a minute. She just told us that Jessie is her daughter. So how is that news? What's going on here? Well, Jessie is indeed her 18-year-old daughter. But Jessie has no idea that Brian Beefcake and Thomas Marine Sniper Montgomery have a love triangle going with her right smack dab in the middle of it. And she has no idea that these two men are fighting over her and the whole thing culminated in Brian's murder. All because her mom, Mary, had been using her account to impersonate her and get stupid men to fall hopelessly in love with her. Well, just for shits and giggles. Huh? Like, why? I don't know. Okay, yeah, that, that's a lot of trouble for these shits and these giggles. Meanwhile, the evidence piles up against Montgomery, and they've got a shit ton of it. Between DNA, an electronic paper trail about 3,000 miles long, gun evidence, unanimous unpopular public opinion, trace dog hair fibers, you name it, he looks fucking terrible. By the time he's arrested, he still has no idea that the woman he's been longing for, the woman whose drawers he's been sniffing, the woman he just killed for, is around happily married 45-year-old mother of two who doesn't give a shit about him. She just enjoyed getting him and Brian Beefcake worked up and playing these fools off of each other. That is insane. Thomas, of course, initially denies any wrongdoing, but quickly comes to his senses when he realizes exactly how fucked he is. So he pleads guilty in exchange for a 20-year prison sentence. And he's been disowned by his family. Who could have seen that coming? And he's still in a jail cell somewhere being taunted about his non-existent 9-inch penis. Mary, despite her strange hobby of manipulating desperate men into brutal violence could not be charged with anything under New York law. Her family, including the real Jesse, has, however, disowned her as well. And, well, Mary, it's not all bad, though. In another six or seven years, Thomas Montgomery's going to be released from jail. And maybe you should uh, look into hooking up there. You got lots in common. And maybe it's meant to be. Unfortunately, None of this is going to bring Brian back. Murdering someone because you can't get laid with who you want to get laid with is about the worst reason to end someone's life I can think of. You stupid fucker. Not Brian. Thomas, you're a fucking idiot. Not to mention, you're killing somebody because you want to get laid, but the person you want to get laid with doesn't even really exist. This is pitiful. You can't be too careful out there, folks. Don't be stupid like these people. Poor Brian didn't deserve that. 
and you don't either. I need you all around so you can keep listening to my lame podcast. Don't go getting catfished and killed, people. Please. And there you have it. Another crappy episode of the worst true crime podcast ever. Evil done badly is in the books. If you would like to reach out and suggest future episode topics, we can be reached on Twitter or Instagram at EvilDoneBadly or by email at EvilDoneBadly at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. My name is Dick, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Uh, I like to chime in here. I got a quick update. I recently found out that last year some girl some girl who likes to play Nintendo Switch got abducted. And this fucking 28-year-old dude who abducted her, he uh, found her on the internet, of course, and dragged her 2,000 miles away. He uh, got caught because she had taken her Nintendo Switch with her. And when she logged on to uh, watch YouTube or whatever, a friend of hers who knew she was missing said, holy shit, my missing friend is online. And she had the uh, presence of mind to go, holy crap, this could really be something. And the FBI got in contact with Nintendo, and Nintendo said, okay, yeah, this fucking idiot, we're going to help you find him. And they gave him the address as to where she logged on from. And fortunately, they found her, She's still alive, and this fucking idiot is going to jail for 30 years, all because she logged on to her Nintendo Switch from his place. That is a beautiful ending to a very unfortunate situation, and I thought I should really mention it because it's a neat story, and uh, there you go. So uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.